1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here with Cincy Jungle and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to be uh, back with you. First things first, I got to apologize to all of you. Um, I had every intention to go live uh, last night, probably around midnight Eastern or so, to talk about the game, talk about what's going on. And um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if, how many of you follow me on Twitter or not, but unfortunately, um, as I, I was at the game, for those who do not know, and as I was making my way out of the game, um, I had my phone stolen out of my pocket, uh, I pickpocketed, I guess, is the, is the proper term. So I had to kind of deal with that, and I didn't have a phone, didn't have social media and all that kind of stuff, and uh, unfortunately, also, I lost a lot of my pictures and videos, from the event itself so a little bit of insult to injury there the Bengals lose a heartbreaker in super bowl 56 i witnessed that in person and then i get my phone stolen on the way out of the stadium so (laughs) i i did pretty i mean i guess all you can do at this point is uh is laugh about it did get a new phone finally today this morning and was settling that but meant to get to everybody a little earlier on all of that and unfortunately just didn't um uh, didn't work there, so apologize for that. But we are here to talk about the loss last night that occurred between the Bengals and the Rams. A very, very fun game, a competitive game, a lot of back and forth, a handful of big plays, decent amount of scoring, and just a competitive affair. So, first things first, I guess I want to say that folks that are saying, you know, the Chiefs just should have been in that Super Bowl and all this kind of stuff, this was a good matchup. It was a good matchup across the board, and I think the Bengals, I would hope, earned a lot of respect from a lot of people that felt like if they were touting the the Bengals didn't deserve to be their drum, um, uh, you know, I hope at this point today they're sitting there and and changing their tune because the Bengals held the lead in that game. They came back in that game, down 13-3, to came back, held a lead, and the game went down to the wire, so... Uh, you know, if if folks still sitting, you know, the Bengals didn't deserve to be there. Whatever the narrative they want to hang on to, um, there are there are a few floating out there. And uh, um, anyway, I don't, I don't, I hope that folks gained a new level of respect for the Bengals based on what they saw. At least for this year. Based on the team that was out there and the fight that they put up in what was essentially, and I can tell you that firsthand, which was essentially a home atmosphere for the Rams. I know we knew that was going to be, that's their home stadium and all that kind of stuff. But third downs, fourth downs, crowd noise, announcer, and the announcer kind of pumping up the crowd on third downs and whatnot. Uh, you could tell they tried to do it a couple of different times for the Bengals when they were when they were on defense, too, to try and level it out. But it was very, very much a home atmosphere, um, not just from a venue standpoint, but from a noise standpoint, from the standpoint of, um, you know, like I said, the announcers and all that kind of stuff. Before we get into the box score and all kinds of different things, i wanna I wanna say this because a big talking point is the fact that there were some calls, justified, not justified calls um, that were made in this in this game on the final drive there. Um, that were obviously, uh, and I apologize, we just added it back in Facebook streaming here from the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. So hopefully, uh, I don't know why it cut out in the middle there. Um, So hopefully if you like to join us on Facebook, you are able to do so now. So I apologize for some of the the live stream issues there. At any rate, um, look, a lot is going to be talked about and rightfully so about the officiating. Make no bones about it. The Cincinnati Bengals did not lose the Super Bowl because of poor officiating or questionable officiating, inconsistent officiating, et cetera. My issue with it, uh, and welcome—we're seeing a, <laughs> a lot higher numbers in the live viewers now. Welcome to those on f- front from Facebook again. Sorry, we had a little uh, live feed connection issue there. So, uh, welcome. We just kind of got started here on the on the reaction show. Look, again, I want to reiterate, I, my belief is that the Bengals, and I, I don't really ever subscribe to the notion that, you know, games are won, lost, whatever, by officiating, unless it is completely egregious. There were two calls, I believe, we'll, we'll re- rehash the, the final drive there, but I believe there were four penalties on that final drive where the Bengals were on defense. The Rams got that go-ahead touchdown, two of which I would say should not have been called. Um, you, you could argue about some of the others, only because they let so much go during the game, and yes, I mean for both teams. T. Higgins, I mean, there's some push off there on that big touchdown. There are other screenshots I have seen wherein I think Higgins was being uh, grabbed by Ramsey. Um, you know, there's there's some other uh, for both sides. They just let a lot of stuff go until that moment, the final drive in the Super Bowl, and then there's flags, flags, flags. So I don't, uh, I, I don't, uh, hey, thanks, Justin. Appreciate you. Uh, love you back, my man. Um, so I, I don't subscribe to the Bengals lost this game because of this the the officiating. However, that's a topic that needs to at least be looked at because NFL officiating this year has been very, very inconsistent. The Bengals have, if you look at different, I mean, so I think some people put up some different data points in terms of the benefactors of penalties this year. And the Bengals have been major benefactors, one of the biggest benefactors of penalties uh, in terms of not called or called against the opposition That you know, this year. And that was a big reason for their success. However, I just felt like whether it was going to be against the Bengals or the Rams, if you weren't calling – I mean, I think I had looked up at the, at the scoreboard and it was into the third quarter or at halftime at least – There were three penalties total. Three penalties and twenty yards, I believe, was was the total at halftime. And so the final drive of the game, all of a sudden, you have four penalties on that drive. I just that one um, uh, that one's a little little hard to to think about. Now we're gonna get into the We're gonna kind of get into the stats and all that kind of stuff as well. The reason why I say that the Bengals did not lose specifically because of the officiating, you have to look at the fact that in four preseason games, the Bengals scored seven offensive touchdowns. And what was it, uh, 14 field goals? So seven offensive touchdowns, 14 field goals. We'll double check that, but I believe that was the stat. And and their red zone performance, or lack thereof, this postseason. And I think that's why a lot of people were calling them pretenders or charlatans or they didn't deserve to be in the Super Bowl because they were just kind of making it work. And it was the, you know, the Bengals offense carried this team into the playoffs. Shootouts, shootout big wins over the Steelers, Ravens, Chiefs, late, almost a big comeback win against the 49ers, Um, you know, all kinds of offensive output in in a lot of those games late in the regular season to propel them to an AFC North title. The defense, you could argue, really won won them games through the postseason and almost won them the Super Bowl. Yes, I know. They gave up that game-winning drive. But you look at the amount of turnovers they forced. You look at the – I think there was nine – what? Nine interceptions – or eight interceptions and one fumble recovery through four postseason games. It's pretty good. And uh, look, I – Uh, You can't, you can, you can talk about the the referees and the officiating, but the, the point of the matter is the Bengals were not good in the red zone. They were not getting the ball regularly into the end zone. They were settling for field goals more often than not. And of course, of course, of course, the offensive line issues. Uh, they were playing with fire throughout the entire postseason. They were able to make it work. Joe Burrow was able to make it overcome. The defense was creating those turnovers. And, and unfortunately, the narrative that we all hated to hear all week leading up to, into this game, that Aaron Donald was going to take over, Leonard Floyd was going to take over, Vaughn Miller was going to take over. Um, they largely did that. They largely did that. And there, there was a, a disappointing graphic that shows the final play of the game, wherein Donald kind of spun Burrow around and he did get the ball off, whatever. If he had one more split second, I think it was Jay Morrison who screenshotted it. Uh, so credit to him, Jay Morrison at the athletic, that if he had one more split second, a half a second, a couple tenths of a second, he would have been able to hit a deep ball to chase who had beaten Ramsey down the sideline. And instead he just didn't have the time to do that. So, Again, I know there's excuses and there's the officiating and there's all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is the Bengals were not or they were not effective in red zone offense in terms of scoring touchdowns throughout the entire postseason. The defense created a lot of turnovers. They had two turnovers in this one and uh, they netted three points out of that. So. You know, you can you can go through all of these these different things, but the Bengals somehow just were not effective on offense. And I think that's where some of the frustrations and by the way, if you are someone calling for Zach Taylor's job after yesterday, I don't know. I'm seeing I guess that's something on Twitter that people are doing. I don't know where you're getting that guy got into the Super Bowl after a four win season. So we need to cut that talk out. Um but if it, there are questions that need to be answered from that standpoint, there are questions as to why Samaj P. Ryan got the two short yardage carries yesterday, instead of Joe Mixon, who you paid big contract money to in the biggest game. Why wouldn't you go to Mixon? Why wouldn't you keep it to Joe Burrow to sneak it? Why wouldn't you, why, you know, some of the decision making there. And then of course, just, I, I know here's the thing I had said a lot leading up to this game and interviews and our own shows and whatnot, a lot of questions were, well, why didn't they do more on the offensive line this, this past offseason season after Joe Burrow's injury in 2020? Why didn't they, why didn't they go get the big ticket free agent? Why didn't they draft X player or players? And I mean, they used a second, a second round pick, a fourth round pick, a day three pick on three different offensive linemen. I think the futures for at least Deontay Smith, I mean, is pretty high. We'll see what happens with Jackson Carmen. Trey Hill remains a work in progress. Um, But I I think also you're seeing a team that had so many holes to fix since Marvin Lewis left that it was not going to take just one offseason or two offseasons even to fix this thing. And so they spent the last two off seasons really fixing the defense, getting their quarterback, getting the wide receiver core. And unfortunately what kind of took a backseat was the offensive line. And you kind of saw that um, Jonah Williams had a solid year, but there were still some issues. Our, our guy, PFF, Andrew PFF underscore Andrew, go follow him, put out some recent statistics. I mean, 10, I, I, you know, there's some stats on Jonah Williams that makes you cringe a little bit. Um, you know, Quentin Spain was pretty solid throughout the year. Had a couple of issues, as expected. Yesterday against that front, uh, because that front is is dominant. Um, the Bengals need to figure out what's going on at right tackle between Riley Reef, Isaiah Prince, etc. And uh, you know, th- there there are just a number of questions to answer on this team, but they are well positioned going forward. They are well positioned based on contract statuses, based on the youth based on the talent and youth at critical positions on this team and their salary cap space, all of that, they are well positioned. And I think, I think a lot of folks, including myself to a degree are saying, Hey, you know, the next, this could be the start of a, a dynasty or a a really nice consistent run in the playoffs. And that is extremely possible, extremely possible. However, I just want to caution and I don't want to, I don't want to be the negative guy. Cause I know when you say something critical or negative, people tend to run with that on social media and take it into different contexts. But I want to say this. I think the Bengals are poised to really improve their football team at critical areas and really make a run at this thing again, next year and the year after that, and potentially even the year after that, probably the next four or five years, potentially if they get things right on the offensive line in particular. But I caution everybody that think that this is going to be easily an annual thing in terms of getting to the Super Bowl, maybe winning a Super Bowl. It is very difficult for teams to get to this game. And you saw how difficult the path was for the Bengals to get to this game. They had to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Comeback win. conference Tied a conference record in terms of deficit to come back on that one. They had to go and beat the number one seed on their home turf. They had, to, they had to beat a scrappy Raiders team in the first round. And then, of course, they had to go play the team hosting the Super Bowl in their stadium uh, and, and almost beat them. But it's not easy to get back here. That's all I'm cautioning. Uh, it's And so if this if the expectation is this, I, I think the expectation is playoffs probably for the next bunch of years based on how this team is set up. It is very difficult to get back to the Super Bowl, though. And I do—I don't want to say I worry about, but I am concerned, or I am curious to see what and if there is a hangover effect from losing this game. I'd like to think that Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, the energy, and what they've built will not will not allow that to happen. Um, but it's this—it's tough. It's tough to lose this game. It's tough to lose that game the way they did and um you know there's they could rejuvenate everything and and make it make everybody kind of forget about it a little bit with an active free agency period again and some good picks on the offensive line both whatever fixing the offensive line all of that will do that I will say this I'm seeing a lot of stuff i yeah I know Mick shooter here says we will we will be back yeah I mean i, I as of now, I'm inclined to believe that, but it's diff- it's a difficult road to get to the Super Bowl, especially now when they've added an additional regular season game. So keep that in mind too. Here's a nice one from uh, Brad. O-line is priority this off season. Can you see this team with an upgraded O-line? Why was Mixon out in such key downs? I don't understand the Mixon thing. Zach Taylor had said in some press conferences that he thought he saw some opportunities with Pirine there uh, on those short yardage situations. Um, the only thing I can say that would maybe back this up Um, Mixon at times. And this isn't really all of his doing it's a lot on the offensive line. Actually, there are a number of negative yard plays that come with Joe Mixon handling the football, depending on what kind of formation they are in what play they call. There are a number of negative run plays. So it's more kind of like, do you want the slow and steady and safer, potentially safer, player in Pirine, I guess, than Mixon. Um, but still, you paid Mixon a lot of money for, for good reason. And, I, you know, biggest game of his career, biggest game of uh, all of those guys' career, you would think that you would want to give it to the guy who got a Pro Bowl nod uh, on these short yardage situations. And that is where Zach Taylor is really being questioned, um, along with what I said about the red zone, the red zone issues, getting into the end zone, in the red zone, um, like I said, seven total touchdowns, not in the red zone, but seven total touchdowns this postseason, and what 14 field goals. Um, that's uh, by the way, McPherson is awesome, but, uh, you know, again, you, you wanted that on, you, you flip that and there's not even a, um, that that's not even really a question. I saw, thank you for the super chat, by the way. I saw another one here from Jimmy Robinson. I wish we could have ran a few screens for mixing. Yeah, that was Another thing that I thought was missing missing from this offense. The, the thing, too, about the protection, seeing a lot of, from you all about the O-line, the thing is about the protection, it actually was, I mean, I was around Rams fans, and they were all very surprised at, in the first half of the lack of an impact of Aaron Donald, the lack of impact in Joe Burrow getting sacked, pressured, all of that. Um, and, of course, the Bengals' defense stepped up big, too. If you followed me on Twitter, I, I had been kept keeping my eyes they had a next gen stats thing in the stadium there and really into the well into the third quarter or fourth quarter they had um, the the Rams at minus 42 yards under rush yards per, ex, per, per expected so uh, basically at that point they had the Rams as a team having at least 42 43 more rushing yards at that point in the game than the Bengals were allowing and they were stuffing stuffing the Rams run and the Rams were doing the same against against the Bengals, too. But they were stuffing the run game, uh, the Bengals were, for much of that game. And, uh, you know, that was that was making life difficult for the Rams' offense. So, I mean, the, the defense was doing its job. There were, obviously, the questionable calls at the end of the game, and especially based on how the game was called in the previous three-plus quarters. Uh, regardless, the Bengals were not getting into the end zone, and they were settling for field goals. And then there's a stretch of games as well where – We'll, and I'll show you the drives. Um, I, I think the Bengals came up with four straight stops on defense and the offense did nothing with it. And so I think that's also where some of the questions about play calling and all of that with Zach Taylor come into play here as well. I'm getting like a, a suntan with uh, where I'm recording and where the sunlight's shining through here. But uh, good to see all of you again. I'm Anthony Casenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. One more apology for those who showed up late about not going live last night. I had intentions of going live quite honestly at about 12 Eastern, 1 AM Eastern. And on my way out, I was at the game and on my way out of the stadium, uh, I had my phone pickpocketed out of my, out of my shorts, literally. And, uh, I, I had attempted to get some help from some deputies that were on, on scene and look for it and whatnot. And it was just such a zoo that it was, there's no way that I was able to find the person who, uh, Did that. And unfortunately I had been reading and hearing that that was not a, an uncommon thing of the evening that people were doing that. So I had to kind of navigate that, get that all settled. And then of course I wanted to go, if I wasn't going to go late last night on the air, I was going to go in the morning and I had to go get a new phone. So that has been (laughs) a little bit of my adventure over the past little bit here. So I apologize for those who wanted to join us Live last night and or uh, expected to show a little earlier, but um, unfortunately kind of had to tend to that so- sort of thing here. We got another super chat here from Brad. Um, oh, we already used, we already did that one. I think let's see here. Here is from C Griff. Not only will the passing game be better with an online, same with the running game, of course. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Bengals. For What they, their strategy since Zach Taylor took has taken over has been rely on mid round draft picks. Don't do much necessarily in outside free agency. You've got the couple rental contracts to Quentin Spain and some others in there. Um, You gotta, you gotta start getting, you know, either upper tier free agents or you gotta, you gotta spend a lot of your high end draft capital on offensive line this year or both. Um, You know, you can't, you can't rely on these mid round draft picks to develop and develop. And then, you know, you've got a, a conundrum at right guard where it's Akeem Denji. Some of the time, sometimes it's Jackson Carmen. And then you've got Isaiah Prince coming in at right tackle and that's kind of up and down. So you, you got, you got to start finding the guys quote unquote at a lot of these different spots. You can't get pro bowlers at every single position, but you got to start kind of doing and build something like the, the Cleveland Browns have. Um, you, you got to start getting some guys in there that are some proven some that are high picks that you yes, draft and develop, but you feel like you can plug them in there day one and they will be an effective starter. And quite honestly, now based on contract statuses, performances and everything this year, you've got at least four, at least four offensive line positions that you've got to think about. I would assume the Bengals probably try and make a play to bring back Quentin Spain. He's been pretty solid throughout much of the year. There've been some hiccups, including in the super bowl, but i think they like him and what he has brought to to the team so you would think that he may be back as left guard next to jonah williams at left tackle starting to see some more conversations centering around potentially do you kick jonah williams inside because of some of the ups and downs he has had even in year three i don't know if what, what that is i mean I, I obviously jonah williams is a valuable member of this team and you need to you need to keep him Doing doing what he's doing and starting out there, but I don't know that that's. It seems as if that that has not been on the table for Zach Taylor and company. But you know, you've got questions to answer about Trey Hopkins. Very slow start, uh, shaky start to the year. Got better towards the end of the year, obviously as expected with the knee issue and, and whatnot. But um, you know, you you may want to explore options there. You definitely need to figure out right guard, and then what do you do at right tackle? Do you bring Reef in again for one more year? Is that rental situation over and yet you go more long-term I don't know but you got to start getting the guys at positions and you got to start investing heavy capital Bengals have a lot of cap space and whatnot so they need to they need to do that they need to definitely do that let's keep rolling here I think there's another one down here from uh, Bruce Gaines trying to find the silver lining but this is arguably the most winnable game of the postseason Bruce here's here's a thought I had And I'll talk about this more on Wednesday with John. Think about the Bengals' three Super Bowls. All three. Look at the scores. Look at the manner in which they've lost. Pretty heartbreaking. Uh, This one had the makings of a win. You look back at the previous Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty-three. Bengals had that one in a, a very low scoring game for those two offenses that were fielded in that in that game. And of course, you know, the, the old Montana to John Taylor late in that game. And, you know, the Bengals were down a lot in the very first Super Bowl they played in with Ken Anderson. They charged all the way back. There was that goal line stand. There was a bunch of turnovers, and the Bengals still lost by one possession there. So three Super Bowls. All three want by one possession, and two of which especially were very late on last drives last minute drives. That's the kind of stuff that guts you honestly uh, and, and that's just un- an unfortunate thought I had about uh, that I, when I was thinking about this this game and this situation, and I don't want to be debbie downer about it. I know we're all kind of bummed out about it and I try and be objective here and present the stats and whatnot but that is something that's a tough pill to swallow that is a tough tough pill to swallow um in terms of how the Bengals have what they have done what they haven't done in the um you know in the super bowl a couple of other super chats here thank you uh brian robinson just saying what's up brian appreciate the support um, and then let's see here. We've got a couple more. I think this is from Brad Rupert again. A couple really good free agent offensive line opportunities this offseason. Se- off what should we do? We'll be talking more about that in future episodes in terms of free agency profiles and, of course, draft profiles. But this has to be, uh, for lack of better words, you know, the Bengals in the last couple of free agency periods, last couple of drafts, they've brought in the sizzle. Right, they got the quarterback they got Jamar Chase they got T Higgins they they brought in the the edge defender and in, in Trey Henderson a boatload of cornerbacks and defensive backs right all these guys and you're going hey hey, hey this is this is good this has to be absolutely has to be a meat and potatoes offseason no frills you don't need wide receiver help maybe some ancillary pieces behind the, the the trio the the migos as our boys Ace and Zim like to call them Um Maybe maybe some ancillary receiver help there, but you're set at running back with Mix, and you're set at quarterback. You have your top three wide receivers. You've got a lot of talent on offense and under con- or on defense rather and under contract. This has to be get some interior defensive line help. Whether that's re-signing Larry Ogunjobi and or BJ Hill and or somebody else. You're getting Joseph Osei back, which is which is going to be a huge boost to this team. Let's hope he stays healthy but then it's got to be largely offensive line. I mean it's it's you got to just offensive line offensive line offensive line that's got to be what happens here for sure. Uh let's keep rolling on here. Apologize for those. <laughs> I may look a little funky with the uh the, the sun shining in here. I'm trying to find the shade. Uh, P. Ryan is okay. This is from Seagriff142. P. Ryan is okay, but they have to get Evans in, in offense more involved, essentially, have another Bernard to use. I have been, that's a great point. I've been a little disappointed in how few touches Chris Evans received, and, and, and especially. In game, these the game against Tennessee, the game here. I mean, I, I understand maybe relying on a rookie in these big moments, maybe a little bit of a tenuous situation. But he can play, he can play, and he can, and he is a good passing outlet. That's a guy when there's pressure, if you want to set up these screens, etc. That's a that's a player you can use to do that, or you can do wide receiver bubble screens to him, and and you know put him out there. You could do shovel passes with a player like that just things like that where you can just get some yardage if you're having trouble finding momentum, having trouble getting in the end zone, in the red zone, you're going to need to mix it up a little bit. So I would like to see more Chris Evans. Hopefully, you know, I've liked what I've seen from him. He's obviously very talented, but um, they just didn't really give him a lot of reps. So that one, that one's pretty puzzling to me there. Good call. And thank you for the super chat there. C. Griff. Appreciate you. Our buddy Akila, Akila the great what's going on. And Donald doesn't line up offsides, we win with a deep ball to chase that extra step. Screwed Spain's pass set, and that's how he got beat. There was a lot of that. And I think Mitchell Schwartz, who used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he put something out on Twitter showing that. So go find – or maybe I'll go try and find that. That's my job. I should do that. You guys don't need to go do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point too. But, again, it's a, you still – I mean, there's all these things where, yeah, you had to play the refs too. But the Bengals also, I mean, they had opportunities to get in the end zone. They didn't. They moved the ball. They had opportunities to capitalize off of turnovers. They really didn't. Um, and, and they let up a lot of sacks. Their offensive line let up a lot of sacks. So uh, I, I don't like to use the, the, the refs beat them, the refs job them thing. They had an effect in the game. I mean, there's not a doubt about that. But there were some calls that benefited the Bengals or non-calls that benefited the Bengals as well. Uh, here is Akilah again. Thank you. Uh, B missed Evans on an early deep ball for a touchdown. Um, thank you for the super chat there. All right, let's, we're going to get rolling on here. wanted to get some thoughts on, on everything there. Look, I want to reiterate that I do believe that the Bengals are poised for a nice window here. I think we all are in agreement with that cap space, salaries, contracts, talent, all of that. They're, they're in a very good position going forward there's no doubt about that however, I just want to i it can't be stated enough at how how difficult it is to get back to this game and how difficult it is for you know a team to win 10, eleven, 12 regular season games and then go win three or four postseason games um it's just very difficult for that expectation so, you know, you got you to gotta figure that I, the Bengals will be in the mix for sure. But, you know, saying that this is a, a sure thing going forward, I don't know.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Let's get to, uh, I will share the, I like to do this, the ESPN box score here. So I will share this. I like ESPN just because it does a couple things that I like. Personally, uh, hopefully that's that's okay with you all here. Here is the box score and the individual stats. will start there, and you can see the passing stats. You've got uh, Burrow and Stafford shown here. Matt Stafford, you know, the, a lot of a lot of folks were saying, you know, you, if he plays kind of Matt Stafford ball, quote unquote, he'll give you a couple of chances by making turnover worthy throws. My my colleague, John Sheeran, talked about how he was one of the highest in the league in terms of turnover worthy throws throughout the 2021 season. He averaged about a, an interception, a game, um, at least through the regular season, I believe. I mean, you got two sacks on him, you had you had two interceptions on him, a, a sub 90 rating, uh, three touchdowns. You did have the three touchdown game, 283 yards. Uh, you know, not there, there's a lot of stats there, but there's a lot of negative stats there as well. So, you know, you, you can look at that and and say, you know, the defense did quite a bit, uh, did their job. You look at Joe Burrow. 22 of 33 was under the threshold in terms of the betting mark for passing yards in the game. I think that was set at about 283 and he had 263. Um, One touchdown, zero interceptions there. Seven sacks, seven sacks. Now we know, we know that not all sacks are strictly on the offensive line. And we know Burrow, who tries to create and do different things, he'll run into a couple couple of sacks a game, especially when there's a high amount. But th- but seven sacks is absurd. And seven sacks is absurd when you when two weeks ago or two games ago you allowed nine sacks. Uh I, I I have to go back and look at how many were in the the Raiders, but I mean you're you are essentially right at 20 plus sacks in four games in the postseason. Um, so I would say Burrow probably accounted for half a dozen of those. I just off the top of my head, that's probably ballpark of what he was maybe responsible for in throughout the entire postseason. but the rest, you know, can kind of be pinpointed on the offensive line coverage sacks, whatever, but, um, it's just way too many, way too many. And those are the drive killing plays. Those are the plays that put you behind the sticks. Those are the plays that create third and longs, everything. So, you just can't, you just can't have that. You can't have that. And the Bengals, they, they played, like I said, they played with fire throughout the entire postseason on that front. They thought they could get by it at least for this year and maybe, you know, write it off and, and get this win here and then work on the offensive line next offseason with a Lombardi trophy in their back pocket. And it didn't, didn't work out mixing with the trick play. I love this. Uh, the six yard touchdown pass, just a pretty play. Well-designed play. You had to know that Taylor had had this one cooked up all week. Taylor and Callahan had this one cooked up all week at practice. And obviously the players probably were pretty jazzed about it. So cool play there. Um, Bengals did not turn the ball over. Uh, You know, no interceptions. Um, You know, you had no, no fumbles there. So, I mean, clean game there. So they won the turnover battle and by, they were plus two in the turnover margin. Unfortunately, they were minus five in the sack margin. So, that's uh you know kind of unfortunate there. are mixing decent day and this is where you go okay p ryan two carries zero yards on those short yardage situation uh, short yardage carries that he got in critical short yardage situations yikes meanwhile your bit your big bell cow back had a 4.8 yard per carry average 15 for 72 carved out a couple of nice runs now it wasn't very consistent there was some shutting down of things at times but you just felt like he, Mixon should have got at least one of those carries that Pryor got. Um, I, I just I don't really have a good explanation for that honestly. So uh, Chase did get a four yard carry. Burrow had a couple of carries there, uh, including one that went for a first down, um, two for three yards there. And then of course you look at look at Cam Akers, leading rusher, twenty one yards on thirteen carries. Look at what the Bengals did to the Rams rush. Defense. This is what I was talking about when in the fourth quarter they were about minus 42 rush yards, I guess, under expectation at that point. Uh, 23 carries for 43 yards, a 1.9 yard per carry average. Eight yards was the longest run by the Rams. Eight yards. Cooper Cup, no wide receivers for the Rams, went over 100 yards. Beckham had a good game before leaving with an injury two two catches, 52 yards in the touchdown cup, the MVP eight catches, 92 yards and two touchdowns in that, uh, in that game did a little bit of everything. He did have a, a run as well for seven yards. So did a little bit of everything, but I mean, I know the two touchdowns stands out to you and jars you a little bit, but you know, when you say you keep Cooper cup and Odell Beckham jr. Combined, to under 150 yards that's pretty good but three touchdowns combined not so great so there's a little bit of yin and yang there uh besides that bryson hopkins had a couple of of decent plays henderson had a couple of decent plays including a 25 yarder through the air uh jefferson a couple of catches four catches for 23 to be exact um and then uh skoronik had a couple of catches two for 12 so Um, I mean, it was really the cup show and and Beckham show, but it wasn't the 200 yard game, the 150 yard game, uh, really from either of them, uh, 10 catches for 144 yards and three touchdowns combined for those two players though. So, um, anyway, T Higgins would have been the, the game's MVP, had the Bengals won the game, four catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. That would been that would have been my guess. Jamar Chase had a good game as well, five catches, 89 yards, including a 46 yarder, a spectacular one handed grab there to uh, you know put the Bengals in scoring position. Great from him. Boyd a little more noisy this week, five catches, 48 yards, and then uh, Uzama pretty quiet as we kind of assumed because of the injury, two catches, 11 yards. Mike Thomas had a 17 yarder. Uh, Chris Evans did have a three-yard reception, and and Mixon five catches netting one yard. Ouch! 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 So uh, when you say screens and whatnot, you know you got to look at that and go, okay, well maybe that wouldn't have even been as effective as possible, or maybe you had to dial up a different kind of play to get Mixon the ball. Wilson nine total tackles, three for loss, one pass defended. Pratt, eight eight tackles, eight total. Uh, Hubbard, a very nice game as well. Eight tackles, two tackles for loss and a quarterback hit. Vaughn Bell, seven total tackles, including one for loss. Bates, who had an interception um, that was in the end zone. He had six tackles along with that. A very good, very, very good postseason from Jesse Bates. Excellent postseason from Jesse Bates. Kind of a tale of two seasons between the regular season and what he did in the postseason. Really, really Good postseason for him. Awuzie, five uh, five tackles there. One pass defended. Apple, a little bit of a rough game there. Five tackles, one defended. Hilton, four tackles. Hill had a um, – had a he, he didn't have a sack. He had a tackle for loss, though, um, early in the game. That was a biggie. And then you had Hendrickson, who had a sack, two total tackles. And DJ Reader had the other sack, the big guy, uh, had the other sack. And then you look here. Oh, boy, do we have to count him up over here? We've got Ernest Jones, one sack. Ashawn Robinson, not known as a huge pass rusher, one sack. Leonard Floyd, one sack. Aaron Donald, two sacks. Von Miller, two sacks, leading to seven total. Ouch. Not ideal there. So that's a little bit of the, t- the tail of the tape we're going to talk a little more and we're going to be here a little while longer we've gone long because we obviously it's a big game we've got a lot to talk about and of course um you know we've we've had some a little a couple extra thoughts on this one than we did previously here's one from bruce Gaines: uh, Mahomes went back the next year and won it all but then again different strokes for different folks different things happens for different teams yeah i don't 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 misconstrue what i'm saying about you know it's difficult to get back to that game yeah i the Bengals could very well be there next year, and and be the team that hoists the Lombardi Trophy. As I said, I think that this is the the beginning of a potential budding dynasty. But I want I do just want people to also realize, and I don't even want to say temper expectations because I think that should be the expectation right now. The expectation should be that the Bengals will make a run and make this a dynasty type of situation. That 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 should be the expectation, but. I do want to caution folks and fans that it is very difficult to get to this game and very difficult to get to this game consistently. You have to have a special coach. You have to have a special quarterback. You have to have a special team to be able to consistently do that. The Bengals had a special team this year. Very special team in the way they won games and the way they came back in games and all kinds of different things. They had a special team this year. I think they can continue to have special teams because I think their coach is still an ascending coach. I think their quarterback is excellent, 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 and is actually an ascending player himself. A lot of different reasons. I just wanted to say that, you know, the expectation should be possible dynasty here, but we also need to realize that this is a very difficult game to get to and to get to consistently. That is my take on that. Uh, I don't know if I got... I missed any other super chats, but thank you trying to get all those as well as maybe some others in here. Um, so go ahead and uh, do that. We'll get to your we'll get to your comments as we can here. Let's go to where do we want to go next on this box score here? I want to go. Let's do play by play. I want to do this, and I'll show you here in just a second um, that there are there were some pivotal moments in this game. That you know, we can talk about the refs. We can talk about missed calls. We can talk about this, that, and the other thing. But you know, the the Bengals missed opportunities. There there are glaring, uh, glaring things on the on the play by play sheet that'll show you what I mean by that. And let's let's see here. The yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's go here. Play-by-play, ESPN, and drive summary here because I think there's something to be noted here. Okay. Rams start off with the ball. They end up punting. Thanks to the BJ Hill early, the one I mentioned before, the early loss, uh, tackle for loss there on an inexplicable. Third and 17, Daryl Henderson draw. I don't know if that was just get out the jitters and bad situation. Let's not try and force a turnover. I didn't understand that one from McVay. Bengals get the ball here. And here you go, right here. Here's the first. Samaj P. Ryan to the right. No gain. Uh I, I just I didn't didn't understand that. And you had Mixon here. I mean, this is killer right here. When you look at a down to down basis, you've got a second and two at midfield. Your next two plays, two carries, one yard. Well, I mean, if you if you want to if you want to count the, the fourth and one, the pass incomplete there too. But I'm talking about you have you have two you have two plays right here, second and two, and you run the ball twice with two different running backs, you net one yard, and then you give the ball up at midfield on downs inevitably after the incomplete pass. What does that lead to? Touchdown. How do the Bengals respond? Punt. Bengals get a field goal. And here's here's the thing. Look, look, check this one out. On a first down from the Bengals' 43-yard line, the big, deep ball to chase, the one-hander, awesome, awesome play. They're at the 11, first down. They're in business. Incomplete, incomplete, incomplete field goal. And so when when you get the big play there, you get down to the eleven. You, you, I mean, you got to make something happen here. You have to make something happen here. Incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. After a momentum, huge momentum play to Jamar Chase, and then you settle for one of those field goals that I that I talked about that they've have that was plaguing them. The, the field goal saved them quite often often in the in the postseason, but it plagued them in terms of settling for those throughout much of the season. So there's that. And then how do the Rams respond? They respond to the field goal with a touchdown. Then the Bengals get a touchdown and you're going, okay, 13, 10, they're in business. I like it. And a long methodical drive there. Then uh, they get the interception, right? That was, uh, that was the, yeah, that was the Bates interception in the end zone. Now tough from your own 20, tough to say, you know, you can go down and get points immediately from that but you were thinking two minute warning you can get down there maybe kick another field goal and tie this thing up at that point right well then there's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty there and that pushes you back now to the 10 instead of the 20 and so then you know you you end up punting the ball. Then the Rams punt the ball. Then you you get out of halftime and you're down only three, but I mean, you kind of feel pretty good about that after coming back from 13 to three, but still you had so many opportunities in that first half. Now the Bengals come roaring. This is a pivotal, pivotal point here, right? Come roaring back and take the lead 17 to 13 on a, on a huge play to T Higgins, right? Then one play later, Awuzier gets the interception, and they are at the Rams' 17-yard line. I'm sorry. That was from the the ball was thrown at the 17-yard line. The Bengals got the ball at the Rams' 31-yard line, so they weren't immediately in the red zone there. My mistake. They move it. They move it. They move it. They get inside a first and 10 to the Rams' 18. They are once again in the red zone, mixing for two yards. Short right to Uzama for five yards, and then sacked. Then you get the field goal. So you had the the big play to chase earlier in the red zone. They got you there. You get a field goal. You, you get the interception here, and you get the field goal after a sack and not really doing much on, on the ground and whatnot. Pivotal moments in this game. Pivotal, pivotal moments in this game where you can't capitalize on big plays like that. and again i go back to the bengals getting two interceptions and getting three points out of it one of which was deep in Ram's territory well in Ram's territory pretty good pretty pretty dang good field position um and, and so when you hit when you win the turnover battle by two and you only get three points out of it that's that's an l uh i, I you know I, I just don't understand that now okay Rams respond with a field goal Bengals have a 20 to 16 lead. Now check this out. Bengals punt and response. Punt for the Rams. Punt, punt. So field goal, punt, punt, punt in the second half for four straight drives by the Rams. And what do the Bengals do? Punt, 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 punt. One drive, three plays, negative three yards. These are three and outs, folks. Three plays, negative three yards. Three plays, five yards. Five plays, minus two yards. And then they had a seven-play, 24-yard drive that ended up doing nothing. Rams get that last-minute touchdown. 15 plays on that. 15 plays. And, of course, aided with all the penalties on this one here. You can see uh, there's... The, you know the two-minute warning here, and and there was the defensive holding. There was uh, 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 penalties on both teams. There, then you had penalty on Eli Apple, um, and so it. Uh, what I say four? I think there's maybe three. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It was a ton of them. It just felt like it was like one play after another, after another, after another. That was like really, they, they just kept throwing the flags. When and there were like no flags, basically. To that point, regardless, when you go back and dissect what happened here with, with the Rams in the second half netting, you know, before that go ahead and game winning drive four critical possessions in the second half, they got three points and punted three times and the Bengals punted four times, four times. Three plays minus three yards was one of the drives. Three plays, five yards. Five plays minus two yards. Seven plays, 24 yards. That, to me, is where – I mean, there are significant moments in this game, but you could really point to that sequence of events there and say that's where the Bengals really lost this game. Uh, You know, and then there's some other – you know, I pointed out some of the other things earlier, but those those were biggies to me. Those were biggies to me. So that's some of the play-by-play. Let's go team stats here so we can see. Uh, Pretty evenly matched. I mean, again, uh, some of the things tipped to the Rams in terms of that final 15-play drive there, but 18 first downs to 15 for the Bengals, 14 passing first downs to 10 for the Bengals, two rushing first downs to five for the the Bengals. Third down efficiency. Look at this one. Yikes, yikes, yikes. The Bengals were pretty – their defense was pretty stout on – Uh, on third down six of 15 for the Rams, three of 14 for the Bengals. Oh, then you see fourth down efficiency. The Bengals were one of three Rams were one of one, uh, plays and yards. All that's pretty, uh, pretty even there. The sacks, that's another big disparity, uh, rushing way in favor of the Bengals, 43 yards to 79 yards penalties here two. um, Two for the Rams the entire game. The Bengals had one before that final drive. One. And then they had three on the final drive alone in those last handful of plays. Um, So, and then you see the turnovers here. Two to- total turnovers, zero. And the Bengals only got three points off of those turnovers. Time of possession, I mean, 30 minutes, 47 seconds for the Rams. 29 minutes, 13 seconds for the Bengals. So, pretty even there that's kind of the the tail of the tape that's that's the tail of the tape a little bit in terms of how the drives went critical moments in the game stats and everything all in all a very evenly fought game and one of the things that I thought about um, you know I had recently kind of started re-watching the as cliche as this is, I started rewatching the great NBC show Friday night lights. And there was a, an episode in, in I believe it was season three where the team was an underdog and they went to the state finals and they lost the state final game after coming all the way back and taking the lead and all of that. And then they lost on the last second, um, you know, deal and, and coach Taylor in that, in that, uh, in that show, coach Taylor. Uh, addresses the team afterwards and just kind of says, you know, you guys are champions, even though they had lost and all of that and the effort level and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that Zach Taylor could look in in his players in, in a very similar way and have a very similar message after this game to his team. They fought their butts off in this game. They did almost everything, particularly on defense and special teams, that they needed to do. Huber struggled a little bit, but they did everything that they more or less needed to do. The offense sputtered a little bit, but they got a couple of big plays. They held the Rams to a manageable amount of points on their home stadium. They forced turnovers. They did all of that and still just came ugh, so close. So close. Uh, At any, at any rate. I think that's one, one area in which we could take solace if you are a Bengals fan where you can say, you know, hey, they were so close here in a game that not, not many people expect them to be in um, or be at even, and they were so close to winning this thing. You can also look at the fact that what we talked about with a potential budding dynasty with the Bengals, I think there's going to be a really fun AFC conference battle going forward with a lot of good young teams right now. You've got the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. You've got Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore uh, Baltimore Ravens. You've got, um, you know, what's going to happen with Miami and Tua? We'll see. You've got the Chargers and Herbert. You've got the Chiefs and Mahomes. You've got the the Bengals and Burrow. Um, you know, I mean, there are, there are a lot of good teams in the AFC right now. And so the Bengals should be in the mix based on how, what, all the things we've talked about, how they've set themselves up. They should be in the mix as as a team that should be making deep playoff runs. Now, again, just they got it. They got to do some things on their offensive line. They got to do some things to shore up depth and whatnot. And they should continue to be there. But um, it is difficult to get to this game. And I, I I'm not worried about a hangover, but I do. I, I am curious to see how this carries over in the next season. I would like to think that it's fuel to the fire. And that they're young players that now have that quote unquote playoff experience that so many people talked about. And I don't know. We'll see. But exciting season, fun season. The Bengals had the Bengals and the Rams. This Super Bowl was a great, great Super Bowl. Uh, very fun. And, um, you know, I, th- I think the Bengals, hopefully, in the eyes of many who did not know much about them, who did not think that they should be there, whatever. Hopefully in this game, they kind of, some of those folks said, you know this is a pretty good team. It's a pretty good team and they're young and they're going to be back here uh, because that's what things look like at this point. And so congratulations, yes, to the Los Angeles Rams for beating the Bengals in Super Bowl 56, but congratulations to the Bengals on a good season themselves as well. A very good season, a fun season, and one that far exceeded many folks' expectations on what this season was going to be, including myself. Very, very good season. And uh, let's hope that's this is just the foundation stepping stone into more of these coming up here. And finally, congratulations to Andrew Whitworth, a guy I have a real soft spot for being a former Bengal, being the Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner this year. Uh, you have to think this is probably his last game. Hopefully this, this cements a Hall of Fame career for him. If it does, I don't know how which team he would go in with. <laughs> with. Um, that's another conversation altogether. But, um, you know, congratulations to, to Whitworth. Congratulations to Whitworth. Uh, that's – you got to be happy for him. At any rate, we're going to get on out of here. I want – we we don't usually t- talk about post-games or – different things this long but this is uh, a special game and again i I apologize that i didn't get to some things were out of my control last night if you listen to why i did not go on very late uh last night or this morning so at any rate um i appreciate all of you we've we have literally hundreds hundreds and hundreds of people watching live i can see the numbers right now which is awesome and i appreciate you if you are new here i'm anthony Gazenza. I write over at CincyJungle.com, and this is the Orange and Black Insider, one of the podcasts on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Welcome to the show. Uh, Hopefully, you stick around and check out our show. Check out the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, which include Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim, and of course, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of different stuff going forward this off season. Now it's officially the off season, free agency profiles, draft profiles and whatnot. We'll be continuing to bring you our show, uh, our Wednesday deep, deep dive show, listener questions, fan Fridays, that sort of thing. We'll be doing all kinds of different stuff. So keep it, keep it glued here. And, um, I, I appreciate all of you. I've seen a lot of, uh, thank you, Paul. Uh, as a Rams fan, I enjoyed your commentary. Just great football talk. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it, and congratulations to your team there. Uh, look, um, I, I just, I, I thank sincerely thank all of you for for making this a special season uh, for for the us and this show and at Cincy Jungle. And this week, um, <laughs> yesterday didn't go as planned between getting my phone stolen and uh, the end result of the game. But I will say that the lead up to it was awesome. I got to spend some time with uh, some family members to do the NFL experience uh, in LA. And then of course, um, I I got to be on site and do an interview with Anthony Munoz. We talked with Chad Johnson this week. We talked with Tim McGee. We talked with Charles Alexander, Ken Anderson. We had our own shows, all kinds of different stuff. So I hope that you enjoyed what we brought to you this week from a Bengal side of things. And um, I hope that you If you haven't had a chance to go check that stuff out, please do. We also had some great interviews from uh, Ace and Zim on Orange is the New Black. Jamar Chase's father joined them for for an episode. Troy Walters, Bengals wide receivers coach, joined them. And then, of course, on other social media platforms, you can see some of the questions I had asked of players through some of these press conferences during the week. Uh, Guys like Mike Hilton, CJ Uzama, Zach Taylor, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Joe Burrow, etc. So we tried to bring you a lot of different coverage on this show on cincyjungle.com and and our social media channels. So hopefully you enjoyed it. I appreciate all of your positive comments. I got a nice email uh, also from Mike S a very nice email from him. And I just wanted to publicly say that as well. Thank you, Mike. And thank you all to for, for those who did super chats and whatnot. We appreciate the generosity. We're going to keep bringing you stuff. As I mentioned, uh, I'm babbling on. So I'm going to get out of here because we have officially hit the hour mark, but We'll see you soon. Take care. We'll be back with more. But uh, this one's going to get be, be difficult to get over. I'm not going to lie. But the Bengals are – there. there are still good days ahead for this team, it would seem. So let's hang on to that. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.